to the gospel according to John, the second chapter, starting with the first verse. That is the gospel according to John, second chapter, first verse, and when you have it, please stand all who are able. Hear ye the word of the Lord. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jar with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, you draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. What Jesus did there in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. 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 I want to talk a little bit today about motherly motivation and miracles. Motherly motivation and miracles. There is no motivation like that of a mother. Uh, You can talk about a lot of things, but when you talk about somebody's mom, it's time for fighting. Uh, You don't talk about people's moms. Everybody's mom is a saint. And, And no one can motivate you like a mother. Your mothers, your grandmothers, your mother figures, they motivate you because they are caring about you and are, uh, are vested in, in the best for you. They have a vested interest in you. I have been the product of some motherly motivation. Uh, my mother motivated me to know that I am not allowed to miss school. Even if I was sick, I recall one morning, getting sick in the bathroom and, and a knock on the door and a wet rag came through and some mouthwash came through and she said, wipe your face off, wash your mouth, I'll make the bus wait, but you are going to school. Uh, my mother motivated me to succeed academically. I love to play video games. But if my report card was not up to par, my Sega Genesis spent time in the closet along with my television instead of in my bedroom. Motivation to excel academically. Motivation to excel athletically. 
Uh, my mother was more involved with me than the coaches were. Uh, my mother would come to track practice and see what the coaches were doing for track practice and say, basically, they don't know what they're doing. Let me get out here. I went to track. I went to school on a track scholarship. Let me show them how this is done. And so my mother would be at track practice showing me how to come out the blocks properly for the 100-meter dash and showing all of the, 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 the girls' track team as well to the point that when she wasn't there, uh, I was real popular amongst the girls' track teams. They'd be like, Johnny, where is your mama? Now, I wasn't a, I wasn't a super five-star blue-chip recruit, but I was okay. I ran track in varsity from sophomore year to senior year, so I, I lettered three years in varsity track, and I lettered two years in, in football. I had a kick return record uh, the, for the longest kick return until Court, Courtney Roby broke it later. Um, I wasn't superstar, but I was all right. But I still could not beat my mom in a race. Here I am running 10-second hundreds, and my mom is still beating me to the point that when I finally beat her my senior year of summer because my mother was motivating me saying I hadn't been working out this summer enough and that I was going to be slacking this year. When I finally beat her, I came back to the track team and I told them, I beat my mama in a race. <laughs> Johnny, you don't have to lie to us to be friends. To this day, there are people that still don't believe I beat my mother. I did. It happened. It happened at Riviera Street in the driveway. I promise it did. I promise it did. But the mother motivates you. A grandmother motivates you as well. I will never go past Miss McGee's driveway ever again because of the one time my grandmother got the switch. See, in Freeport, Illinois, where we used to live, uh, my, mother, my grandmother lived at 54 South Hancock Street, and Miss McGee lived at like 52 South Hancock Street. If you stepped out the house, it was the house on the left. I could not go past her driveway. Now, I could go down the other side as far as I wanted because I had a bunch of cousins and aunts and uncles, and all of our relatives lived up and down the street that block, so I could go as far as I wanted down that block. Uh, I'm pretty much related to almost everybody black in Freeport, Illinois, but that's another sermon for another Sunday. I could go as far as I wanted down that street, but I couldn't go past the other street, past the next door neighbor. I decided I wanted to do that. And I not only went past Miss McGee's driveway, I went all the way up to the street, turned the corner, went down to the corner store, got me some candy and came on back, only to see my grandmother's car coming down the street at the same time. Uh, Grandma tells uh, is quick to tell everybody she's only given me one whooping in her entire life for going past Miss McGee's driveway. There's motherly motivation. Motherly motivation pushes you to do your best. Motherly motivation pushes you not to do wrong. Motherly motivation is always there. And there's some motherly motivation in the gospel according to John. Because it's this motherly motivation that causes Jesus to perform his first sign. I've said before that in the gospel according to John, they don't call them miracles, they call them signs, but it's the same thing. But they call them signs in John for a purpose. They call them signs in John because it's to point you in the right direction like a sign does. Um, so we have this, 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 
this miracle, this motherly motivation that's going on. And in the life of Jesus, Jesus goes in a bit of a circular path back and forth to city, to city in these areas. And so in this circular path, he's going from Galilee to Jerusalem. And then again back and it goes through Samaria. And he's invited to a wedding. Uh, and in this wedding, we have these signs or these miracles that are performed. And in the gospel, according to John, there are certain patterns to how these miracles or these signs are performed. There is a setting. Uh, um, then there is preparation for the miracle or instructions that are to be followed. Then there is the miracle and then there is the conclusion. Everything that happens after the miracle when people get a better understanding. So anytime you want God to move in your life for a miracle, if you follow the formula to the gospel according to John, there has to be the right setting. There has to be some preparation, some instructions that need to be followed, and then the miracle can happen, and then there will be some understanding after that miracle that happens. And so we have this occasion. Let the church say occasion. Uh, there's a ceremony with a crisis. Uh, the ceremony, Jesus and his disciples and his mother were invited to a wedding in Cana. And there's a crisis. And in this crisis, the wine supply runs out. And Jesus' mother comes to him with the problem. We are a food and drink influenced culture. Uh, you are more likely to attend a meeting at work if there's food involved. You're more likely to go to a party if there's food involved. And when you go to a banquet or an event, you judge it based on the food. I've seen many a, a banquet or event have very little in terms of entertainment, have very little in terms of space. But if the food was good... I ain't going to say no names, but somebody cooks a really good, good, while we're talking about food, a really good pan of beans. Bless God. Mason. <coughs> Excuse me. I just wanted to put that in there. There's a, these, the, the, the food, we are a food and drink driven culture. And so it is a crisis for somebody to be putting on a wedding right now and for them to run out of food and drink. What kind of party is this that you didn't plan enough for the food? And so the mother comes to him with this, and I find it interesting to, looking at the gospel according to John. We all know what Jesus' mother's name is. It's Mary. But here when she's introduced in the text, it doesn't say Mary. It says Jesus' mother. Uh, that's why I like the gospel according to John, because sometimes you don't read the gospel according to John. The gospel according to John reads you. And so they talk about the mother and they talk about the disciple whom Jesus loved, because you can put yourself into the situation and read it with a better understanding. Uh, the mother is introduced in the text without her name because the mother can be anybody. Anybody can be a mother to somebody else. Anybody can be a motherly figure to somebody else. Anybody can motivate somebody else during these times. And then the mother says that they have no wine, implying that you need to solve the problem. Now, I've heard about mothers like this. I don't have the, 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 the pleasure of having a mother like this, but there are some mothers out there that would say, you know, that trash is piling up pretty high and then just keep on moving. Uh, you know, that, that room is kind of dirty and just keep on moving. I didn't have that pleasure, but I see the motherly, because it would be straight up, Johnny, take out the trash. 
Johnny, clean your room. There was direct, but here it is implied. And there's an, impl- and there's an, and, and there's an implied thing in that they need to solve the problem. Uh, sometimes we need to be able to take care of things without being told directly. Sometimes we need to be on our stuff without being told directly. Sometimes we need to be able to understand that we need to read our Bibles without being told directly. We need to be able to fast and pray and grow in discipline without being told directly. That is a sign of maturity. Uh, But Jesus' response is, woman, why do you involve me? Uh, Take a pause right there that... Uh, 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 Jesus calling his mother woman is by no means a sign of disrespect. I don't know who would be brave enough to refer to their mother as woman. I'm not ready to meet that person. But a lot gets lost in the translation and what Jesus was trying to do when he was saying woman and it got poorly translated from Greek into English is he was trying to distance himself from the situation. He was not here to disrespect his mother. He was trying to distance himself from the problem. And even though the, 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 he distanced himself from the problem, the miracle was performed nonetheless. Uh, there will be times where you seem, it seems like God is not very close. There will be times where it seems like you can't get a hold of any help. But just because it seems like you can't get a hold of any help, just like it seems like there's nobody near, God is still near. Yeah. I had a 81 Hyundai Excel. Red, four-speed transmission, manual transmission, stick shift. I was intimately familiar with this car. I bagged groceries at Kroger for a year to pay to buy the car, and then I worked uh, for another year so that I could get the right engine and transmission in it and get everything fixed. And then I I bought a Haynes manual. And with this Haynes manual, I fixed all the stuff on the car except for the, the super complicated stuff that I couldn't fix. Uh, that I would take to the shop to fix. But I was intimately familiar with this car. There was a fuel pump. When you hooked up the hood, the fuel pump was on the upper left-hand side. For some odd reason, when it was time to replace this fuel pump, I could not get the wrench to turn the bolt off. I couldn't get it to turn. I had a wrench about yay long, and I just I couldn't do it. And so I finally called from some help. And I got some help from somebody who knew a lot more about cars than I did, and he got a longer wrench. He got a longer wrench. My wrench was about, about six inches long, and I couldn't turn it. But his was well over two times that amount. And, and the reason his wrench was able to work is because the, 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 the force was further away. The further away that that force was, the easier it was to solve the problem. The further away the, 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 the head of the wrench was from the actual end of the wrench, you got more power or more torque in the turn. And so sometimes it's better for the work to be done far away. 
Sometimes when it's further away, sometimes when it seems like the situation is the, the person you're calling for for help has stepped back from the situation, they're able to get more power into the situation. And so your close friend may not be able to help you out, but somebody sitting all the way up in heaven will be able to turn that problem around that much easier. Uh, so this distance, this woman phrase was not about disrespect. It was about distance. And even though he said that the miracle still got performed. Uh, and, then, and from this occasion that we have this wedding, we have an observation and Jesus reminds him that his hour had not yet come. And even though we have this observation that was made, there were still some orders issued. Uh, the orders from the mother, Mary, instructed the servants to do whatever Jesus tells them to do. I uh, like, again, I say this time and time again, you can read yourself into John. Just like Mary was telling the servants, do whatever Jesus tells them to do, we ought to be able to do whatever Jesus tells us to do. Uh, how can we call ourselves Christians if we do not obey what Jesus said? And so just as much this, this, this 2-5 in, in verse 5 when he says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do, that's not just to the servants at that time. That's to the servants of today. That's not to, just to the disciples of that time. That's to the disciples of today. Ah, and so they get these orders from the mother, and then they get these orders from the Messiah. Jesus tells them to fill six huge jars with water. We've been kind of slight on details up until now. Uh, everything else was just the mother and, and the servants and, and, and the wedding party and the, all of these things going on. But here we get a description. Here stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Uh, these jars were not being used. Uh, these jars were in the wedding party. But they had not been used. These jars were sitting off off to the side uh, for this ceremony. But Jesus was still able to use them. They might have had cracks in them. They, they, they might not have been the best looking jars. They might not have had the best build on them. They might not have had all those things that we would do. We know when we have company over, we put out the good dishes. Uh, but yet these dishes are at this party. These, these jars are at this party, but they're not being used. Uh, but Jesus still put some use to them. It didn't matter if they were a cracked pot. It didn't matter if they were too small. It didn't matter if they didn't have the right design on them. It didn't matter if they were not a part of the right matching set. Jesus still used them. Just like it doesn't matter where you came from, what kind of education you have or don't have, what money you have or don't have, what family you have or don't have, what kind of things go around, it don't matter. God can still use you. Uh, and so we have these orders, and the only response to the orders is obedience. Let the church say obedience. Obedience, obedience yes, they, they, he, he did it, and then he told them in verse 8, it says, Now draw some water out and take it to the master of the banquet, and they did so. Uh, uh, something I noticed that is missing from the text uh, when I read he says that he filled them with water to the brim in the text. And he told them, now draw some out and take it to the bank, master of the banquet. And he told them, and they did. So and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Let me say that again. 
uh, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some of it out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. What's missing from the text? When the water got turned into wine. We get great detail up until the miracle. But then when the actual miracle is being performed, we don't see that. We just see the results. Uh, when God is moving in our lives, sometimes it's not for us to see exactly how it happens. Sometimes it's not for us to be able to figure out how it was done. If we were able to figure it out on ourselves, we might not need God for that work. But yet and still, we don't see how it happened, but we know it happened. Uh, let me make it plain. You may have walked into the car dealership. And put your information down and you don't understand how it happened. That loan officer said, I don't normally do this. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm going to prove you for it. You might try to apply for a house and these kind of things happen. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how this happened, but I'm going to let you buy this house. I'm going to let you lease this house. You don't know how it happened, but the miracle still can be performed. You might be standing in front of the judge. Ready to go to jail. But the judge says there's something about you. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I'm going to let you go. And I'll not see you again. You might be sick in the hospital. And the, 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 the doctor says, I don't know what happened, but you are healed. You are not supposed to know some of the times how the miracle is being performed, but you can reap the benefits. Uh, and so we have this time and sometimes and, and knowing that the miracle is being performed should not exclude you. If you don't know exactly how it's supposed to happen, that should not exclude you from obedience. And that should not be, uh, take down your faith. Uh, you know that God's going to do it. You don't know how, but you know that God's going to do it. You don't know when, but you know that God's going to fix it. You don't know how. And, but sometimes those things move. That is why it's a miracle. Because we are not able to explain it. And so we have this obedience. And after the obedience, we have the opinion. Those at the wedding testify that this is the best wine they have ever had. Uh, and in those weddings, the, the, those weddings, when you have them at that time, just like we have certain things that we are expected of in a wedding, you know, traditionally uh, in modern day weddings, uh, the, the man is supposed to propose to the woman. And 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 uh, and in traditional weddings, uh, 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 the the bride, the, the the groom rather, family pays for the rehearsal dinner, and 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 usually in these weddings, the 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 bride's family supports the wedding. You know, you have these traditions that are done. Certain people are expected to do certain things, just like that in the wedding. During those times, the the groom was supposed to provide the wine for the wedding party. And so you have this groom, this, this, this groom providing the wine. The, the groom is supposed to provide the wine, but here we have another groom providing the wine. Uh, Jesus is the groom uh, providing this work for his bride, and his bride is the church. Uh, Jesus is the bridegroom of this church. And so when we teach, talk, so the, the master of the ceremony is talking to one bridegroom but it's for another what another bridegroom did saved the best for last 
took some things that may not have been used, took some stuff that was tossed off to the side, took some stuff that may have been destined to be thrown away, but used it for a more noble and glorious purpose. Used it and made it the, the best that it could possibly be. And so we have this opinion, and this is not a rejection of the old. People sometimes take this as a rejection of the old and bring it in the new. It's not a rejection of the old and, and bringing in the new. It's a rejection of not being used and being put to use. God is ready to put us all to use. We just have to be ready to answer the call. We just have to be ready to be obedient and do what he says, just like the servants did when Jesus told them to do it. Uh, and so because of that, we have an outcome. And that outcome is that Jesus' glory is, is, is revealed and the disciples uh, 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 believed in him. Uh, Jesus' glory is revealed and the disciples believed in him. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. We have the disciples have just started to follow him around, but they're not necessarily sold on everything that's going on. They've started, this particularly happens right after 143, uh, John 1, 1, chapter 1, verse 43, where Philip and Nathaniel are following him, and they're called to follow him. And so these people are starting to understand that maybe I hitched my car to the right train. And, and, and so they understand that, and this miracle demonstrates Jesus' glory, and it causes the disciples to put their faith in him. Ah. Uh, and, and, and the mother of Jesus serves as the bookend for Jesus' ministry. Uh, the mother serves as the bookend for Jesus' ministry. You have Mary, the mother of Jesus. Here she is in John 2. After his very first miracle, this is what kicks off his ministry. This is what gets what he's about to do started. And, and Mary is there. And so just like Mary is in John chapter 2, Mary is also in John chapter 19, right around verses 25 through 27, where it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother. And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. When Jesus was talking about my hour had not yet come, he was talking about what was supposed to happen, not in John 2, but in John chapter 19. When he was talking about my hour had not yet come, he knew his hour was coming where he was going to be on that cross at Calvary. A.K.A. Golgotha, A.K.A. the place of the skull. He knew that when his ministry was going to get started, he saw the end in mind. And his motherly motivation was kicking that off. Uh, so there it was. There, there is the mother here at the motivation for the beginning of the ministry and for the, max, the, 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 the magnification of his ministry when he was on the cross. The mother was there from the start to the finish. The mother was there from the beginning to the end. The mother was there in Cana and was also there in Calvary. And so she saw the work that was done in her son when he died and rose again from the dead. She was the bookend, the start and the finish of the ministry. And it says on the third day in John, in, in John 2 and 1, they, they're talking about at that point 
three days after Philip and Nathaniel had decided to follow Jesus. But there's also another third day that happened after he died on the cross of Calvary. That third day he rose up with all power in his hand and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. There's the motherly motivation at there and there's the motherly motivation at the cross and then there's this maxima, maximization of his ministry in the end. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.